Say now, say now, you're tuned into the Wake Up and Win podcast, and I am your host, Devon Pouncey. I am here in the beautiful city of Portland, Oregon, at the Living the Dream Studios. I got a special guest on the line here with me today. Um, he's an Emmy Award-winning sports anchor and sports reporter for KGW News, which is Portland's NBC affiliate. He's also the swaggiest sports journalist here in the state of Oregon because he's a bona fide sneakerhead. He stays sharp from head to toe if you watch his show on Sports Sunday. I got my guy Orlando Sanchez on the line with me today. Orlando, man, thank you so much for joining me here on the Wake Up and Win podcast, my guy. <laughs> Devon, I've been doing this all wrong, man. I need you to do my intros on KGW because you're making me sound like a boss. Hey, I appreciate hey, you, man. It, it is what it is. Take it and run with it, man. Take it and run with it. <laughs> I'm not mad at that, man. I'm not. Yes. Hey, hey sometimes you got to feel your game, man. When you're well accomplished and you're doing the right things, you got to you gotta. Pat yourself on the back sometimes. It feels good when you do it yourself. Now, I must say, like, I've been around, obviously, a lot of people here in the sports media landscape, and you are certainly also one of the most humble personalities that I've had the chance to meet. And I've told you this before, especially when you won that Emmy, man. What goes around comes around. So when you did win that, it was no surprise to me, not just because of your talent and your ability once you, you know, hop hop on that uh, broadcast, but also – when you're good to people, good things tend to happen to you. That means a lot, man. It, it really does. Um, these, these awards are, are super dope, and they mean the world to me. But they don't happen unless you have good people around you, talented people around you who care about what we're doing. So I would be remiss not to thank uh, my entire team, our station at KGW, uh, for what we do. And man, that's, it's, I appreciate those, those kind words, man. Um, it meant a lot when you reached out to me. Uh, it really surprised me how many people reached out and, and had things to say, because you don't really know you, you do your job every day and you're just trying to do what you can and make it the best that you can. And sometimes you forget about all everybody else that's around you. And when it comes back around again, you're like, man, like, that that meant more to me than the award itself. You know, yeah. it's just hearing from people. It was really special. Um, it's something I don't take for granted and, you know, just super humbled about it. And I, I love it. But um, it, it, it came as a surprise to me, man. It, it really did. I didn't expect to win. Um, and so when it happened, I, I truly was shocked. Yeah, man, absolutely. Now, now we're going to talk more about that because I want to kind of know what that process was like being able to win such a prestigious award because I have no idea what it's like to win an Emmy. Um, so I will, we will get to that. We, we got a lot we're going to talk about here. But, you know, I, I hit you up yesterday. I mentioned you on the Instagram story, and I told you that today we would be potting in a real way. And I'll be honest with you, Orlando, this podcast, for the most part, is not a vulgar one. Uh, I might slip in a cuss word here and there because it is still a podcast. I don't have to worry about FCC broadcast regulations and all of that kind of stuff. But I- I'm just not that vulgar of a dude. I mean, not on- not in the podcast space, at least. <laughs> but, um, you know, I might get us started a little bit vulgar here early because uh, I tweeted it out yesterday. And I'm going to say it here right now. 
Damian Lillard is the baddest motherfucker in the bubble. Point blank, period. He's the baddest in the bubble. <laughs> he is. What's it been like for you covering this, man? Because this, this has been a historic moment in time, obviously, for the Blazers, especially for Damian Lillard. What's the coverage been like for you to see what this dude has been doing night in and night out, not just in the bubble, but obviously throughout his career? Man, selfishly and first and foremost, I am so grateful to have something to talk about for my job in terms of <laughs> actual sports. Yeah. To have an actual game. We are so spoiled right now to have Damian Lillard and to have him perform at this level. For anyone that lives in the Pacific Northwest who lives here in Portland, like, this isn't a surprise to us. Like, right. we know what he's about. We know what he does, especially as soon as they got into that bubble and they made it very clear that every game was a must win and they were treating these like they were going into the playoffs. There is just a switch that gets flipped with Damian Lillard and it is incredible. It is fun to watch. And on top of that, what makes it even better is he's a good dude. Um, one of the best, one of the most savvy when it comes to uh, interviews. Yeah. He's super respectful. Even when you have like what we would say like a dumb question or one that like we probably shouldn't ask, and we ask it. Captain obvious. Even when even when you're being Captain obvious. <laughs> exactly, and he's yeah. super professional about it. And that's not always the case with athletes in general. And he is a pro's pro, man. And so. To see him shine like this and that to drop 61, uh, matching his career high, that was a lot of fun to watch just as somebody who's covering it. Who it, It's neat to see him transcend nationally, to see yeah. other people talking about this because it's like sometimes you're, you're kind of echoing it. You're in this, in this bubble of the Pacific Northwest. Right. These are all things we've been talking about. And now you're hearing the national people talk about Dame the same way that we've seen for the past few years. Yeah, and I want to – I'm glad you mentioned that because that's actually going to transition us into the next question because last week I had uh, Fentress. Aaron Fentress was on the podcast, and this was right after the Blazers versus Rockets matchup. And, you know, I, I mentioned that the Blazers and the Rockets were the two teams with the best backcourts in the bubble. Now, I made sure to specify that it was in the bubble because – even just as recent as last week, I wouldn't dare disrespect Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, who I've been believing is the best backcourt in the league for quite some time right now. And I still kind of do believe that. But with that being said, seeing these performances just since last week that Damian Lillard has been able to put on, you almost like you can't imagine basketball getting any better and although Steph Curry and a part of the reason why I said that the Blaze, I mean that the Warriors had the best backcourt was because I believe Steph Curry is the best point guard in the game. My goodness, how much changes in a week because Damian Lillard has been able to come out, drop 51, drop 61, and the way he's been able to do it into in response to adversity where he had a not-so-good game against the Clippers and he missed some clutch free throws, which we don't usually see. Then he follows up with a 51-point victory. Skip Bayless talks his shit, oh, really, Skip? I'm going to follow up with a 61-point victory. So I guess my question to you is just straight up, would you rank Damian Lillard as the best point guard in the NBA now, Steph Curry included? 
It's a tough one, I know. But 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 it gets hot on the Wake Up and Win podcast. It's a tough you, one. You came, you came out swinging pretty quick here, man. <laughs> I would have said a year ago, this is I, this is a, a Steph Curry answer. A year ago, uh, without hesitation, I probably wouldn't have thought too much about it. But I think that Damian Lillard has has narrowed the gap. You've seen him improve defensively. That has always been a criticism of his. And he continues to get better and better defensively. And now he's starting to just flourish, like bloom. Yeah. The way that we the way that I saw Steph Curry was somebody who had changed the game, who had transcended the game. The same way that you talk about Will Chamberlain, the same way that you're you're talking about Steph in terms of he pushed the game so far out. He 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 made you see the game different. All of a sudden, taking a bunch of three-pointers had more value than getting a bunch of mid-range or a bunch of layups. Yeah. So that's why I had have admired Steph so highly and have, have put him number one for so long. I still think Steph is number one, but Dame is right there, man. And yeah. I don't think it's that disrespectful if you decide to go with Dame. Right. I don't. So I'm, I'm cool with that. Right now, I'm taking Steph, but that margin is, is so close. And the more that we're seeing Dame come into his prime, whew, yeah. I, and I'll be honest scary. with you. Yeah, yeah. I'll be honest with you. And and I would still say that I, I'm gonna put Steph over Dame, and it's only for one reason because I think in the past I might have even thought Steph was better with the basketball in his hands than Damian Lillard. I don't know if I can say that anymore. I truly don't. Dame and what he's been able to do, obviously throughout his career, but especially right now, and just the trajectory and the way he's been able to do it, he continues to get better and better and better and better. I agree with you that he narrowed that gap. For me, the reason why I'm going to still pick Steph Curry, though, is because obviously they both draw massive attention when the ball is in their hands. But I believe Steph Curry draws a lot more attention when the ball isn't in his hands. And it opens up a lot more for that Warriors offense. Obviously, he has other guys around him, the Clay Thompsons of the world. You know, Draymond's still an all-star. you got to give him his respect. He's had KD for the last couple of years. Um, you know, you you got to acknowledge the other players that he's playing around that Dame isn't playing around. But still, I think that Steph Curry – developed a skill off the ball that Damian Lillard doesn't quite have. And it's allowed for the flow of that offense to be absolutely insane and arguably the greatest offense we've ever seen over there in Golden State over the last five years. So that's the only reason I'm picking Steph over Dame. Now, if it comes down to who who do I want the ball in their hands, I think it can go either way, honestly. And I wouldn't be mad if somebody picked Damian Lillard. Hell, Today I might pick Steph. Tomorrow I pick Dame. Right now I'm picking Dame because I just watched him score 61 last night. So, <laughs> it, you know, it's like when it comes to who who I want the ball in their hands, it, it really fluctuates between the two because they're both that good and they're both that elite. But like I said, off the ball, I think the attraction that Steph Curry draws, and I don't think a lot of that has to do with just, you know, him – being in the league and kind of figuring things out. I think it's a lot deeper than that. It has to do with Steph Curry being the son of Dale Curry, who was, who was an elite shooter and 
had to have that skill set um, to his element of, of his game as well, having to be able to know how to come off screens, how to be able to hunt his shot and things of that sort as a pure shooter in the NBA. So I think it's kind of just been ingrained in Steph from a really young age where Dame has just always had to have the rock in his hands and I'm going to show you what I'm going to do with it, you know? You just don't want to be chasing him, huh? No. You don't want to be chasing Steph. <laughs> no, you don't. You don't. That is a real problem. He he knows how to change speeds really well. He he reads defenses really well. Um, obviously, if you give him an inch, he'll make it a mile with his ability to shoot it. Um, his catch-and-shoot game is impeccable. It's just, yeah, without the ball in his hands, I think Steph Curry is a lot more dangerous, and that's why I still give him the edge. But sticking with the Blazers here, they got one more game tomorrow night against the Nets. Um, obviously, it's a big game. Can you give me kind of the, the potential scenarios for the Blazers, ranging from either being able to lock in that eighth seed or not even being able to make it to a playing game at all based on tomorrow's results? Yeah, I mean, they're right there. I think what was significant, every game has been a must win for the Blazers because the Phoenix Suns continue to win games. The undefeated, undefeated Phoenix Suns in the bubble. You also got the San Antonio Spurs have been who've played really well, I think surprisingly well. And you've had the Memphis Grizzlies who have struggled in the bubble for various reasons, including injuries. So they've come back down. The Blazers with last win, not only was it significant because of Dame's career performance, but it also moved them for the time being into eighth place. And that's where you want to be at this point, because we all know at the end of this thing, there's going to be a play-in tournament, mini tournament between number eight and number nine seeds right. this weekend to determine who's getting that eighth seed and face the Lakers in the playoffs. So as it stands right now, the Blazers are up a half game, but this is all they, the Blazers have to continue to win. It's not like they've secured this play-in spot. Like if they, if they were to lose and, and, and uh, Phoenix continues to win, or, or let's say Memphis wins again and, and um, Phoenix wins again. The Blazers could be looking at this thing from the outside. So they have to continue to win these games. And that urgency has made this thing more fun than I thought it would be. It's created drama. And I feel like at this point, no one really cares about what number one through seven are doing. Everyone's yeah. focused locally and nationally on who's going to get the eighth seed. How is this play and tournament going to work? And so to have the Blazers shave off, you know, a three and a half game deficit on the uh, Memphis Grizzlies in eight games is incredible to see. And I don't think that even most Blazers fans would have predicted that Portland would have been able to do that. I think many believe that they would have gotten this play in matchup and maybe beat and still the eighth seed away. But to do it outright here and be the eighth seed, it's incredible what they've been able to do so far, man. Absolutely, man. Well, I'm hoping they pull it off because that'll be good for us here in Rip City, that's for sure, especially you, because uh, we know you need content to cover over there at KGW. So we need a Blazers win. We need to get them in. And I, I don't care what nobody says. I don't want to stop seeing Dame play basketball <laughs> straight up. Like, I do not want tomorrow to be the last day that I see Dame play basketball for practically the rest of 2020. I just I just don't want it to be that way. Um 
And now, yesterday was a huge day in Oregon sports, Portland sports, and we'll get to the Timbers here in just a quick second, but I do got to acknowledge one thing because you posted a video, Bleacher Report, Report posted a video of Damian's, Damian Lillard's press conference yesterday, and he acknowledged Chef B, um, which is Damian Lillard's cousin. He was a chef. Chef B unfortunately passed away a few months back here since we've been in quarantine. And, uh, you know, I happen to be a really good friend of Chef B as well. He and I had a good relationship. His brother, Chef Kenny, good friend of mine as well. Chef Kenny's been on this podcast several times. Um, and they were really good dudes. And my last time seeing Chef B was earlier this year. I had a show, I, a, a comedian, a local comedian out here, him, my brother, and myself, we throw these comedy shows monthly where we were before, you know, everything shut down. And I DJ the show, and we had a hometown friend from out in the Bay Area who's a pretty well-known comedian now come and perform at this show. Well, this comedian, obviously, being from the Bay, has a good relationship with Dame and his family as well. And, you know, Chef B was just a real genuine soul. Um, he brought light to any room, but but what I loved about it is he brought light to any room, but not in a loud way. Like Chef B was kind of more of a gentle giant kind of a guy. You know what I mean? He he was softer spoken, but everything that he had to say, everything that he was about came from a real and genuine place. And I know that Damian Lillard and his family is spiritual. I'm spiritual as well. And, you know, when Damian said what he said yesterday, acknowledging Chef B and saying that 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 lucky bounce if that's what you want to call it on that last three-pointer Damian made in last night's game the reason it dropped was because of Chef B I really do believe that from my heart of hearts because like I said having known and having had a relationship with Chef B I mean you you can't do anything but acknowledge him as a true angel in the sky right now, especially during these times. So I just wanted to acknowledge that because Chef B was really my guy. He was a good friend of mine. And, you know, you hear people kind of say that cliche whenever somebody close to them passes away because, you know, you want to dedicate whatever you can to them. But with Chef B, he was a different kind of dude. And I really do genuinely believe, and I can vouch for what Damian Lillard said in regards to who Chef B was and who I believe he still is, even, you know, in his posthumous times here. So I just had to acknowledge that before we get yeah. into uh, the Timbers. I, I like that you brought that up because it was a a special moment that wasn't really provoked. Yeah. I think, you know, Casey Holdall, uh, the Blazers team reporter, had just asked him about the shot because it was a crazy shot that happened in crunch time it just took this really high, ridiculous bounce before it dropped right in. And it felt like it barely even touched the net when it, when it went through. And, you know, when Dame said that, you know, that it was, that it was his, his cousin looking down, his chef, um, I think that on a deeper level, a lot of us can relate to that, you know, that yeah. have lost somebody close to us and still feel like they're a part of us and they're, they're with us at all times. And, you know, somebody else had, had asked him, I think it was Jason Quick of The Athletic had asked Dame a little more about, about him. And it was, it was really interesting to get Dame's perspective because it, it really got away from basketball and just mentioning how important he was and how close he was to Dame. Not just, oh, that's my chef, you know, because so many of these pro athletes have chefs, but he was, he was, deeper than that it was like a brother even though he was, yeah you know he was cousins and so to hear him talk like that I think was just really 
it was really a, a special moment that was buried within all the excitement of a game. And so Dame even elaborated more on, you know, wondering what, what the day that his cousin passed away, him going to uh, his house because he hadn't heard from him. He was worried. And so he, he had that moment to say goodbye to him, you know, and he saw him laying there. Yeah. And uh, CJ, CJ came through and they had that moment together. And I remember even going back to before they went into the bubble and Dame mentioning how this pandemic had had hit him. Yeah. And that was one of the that was one of the big moments for him that really had him in a funk that had yeah. him down. And he mentioned how important family and his support system has been because of moments like that, because you're not your life. Everyone's lives have been turned upside down. So I'm glad that you brought that up because it, it's a chance to get to know Dame on a, on a better level as well. Dame, the person, yeah. Dame, the basketball player. And with Damian Lillard, for people outside that are listening to your podcast outside of, of Portland and outside of Oregon, Dame isn't like that superstar that, that goes everywhere with an entourage and has like bodyguards and stuff like that. Like I see pictures of him sitting at, at the DMV. Like yeah. Dame just, like when he'd come through to the station, he'd come solo. Like it, you don't see that very often. And so Dame has, has basically said, I want people to know me as, as Dame, not just that basketball player. I want to go to camps. I want, I want to meet with kids. And so he's very ingrained in this community. And so is his family. Yeah. And so when you have, Absolutely. you know, chef B or, you know, even Dame junior to an extent, like he's now become part of the Portland family. Right. And so I think that's why, people here love him so much. Yes, he's a great basketball player and will go down as the greatest Portland trailblazer of all time. But it's what he's embraced here in Portland, the love that he has for the city, and the city has reciprocated that. So it's, it's really dope to have an athlete like that here in Portland, where not only is he a good guy, he does good things, people care about him. It's, it's, a, it's the total package, man. Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. So rest in peace. Rest in peace, Chef B. Like I said, I'm grateful that the last time I saw him, which was like late January, just, you know, a couple of months before he passed away, um, we had a, a funky good time <laughs> with Chef B. Uh, we had a damn good time. We we had a real good a time. <laughs> I know there's a story there, man. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we definitely had a great time. I got some footage somewhere here in the archives of that night too. But yeah, we, we had a damn good time that night and Chef B really enjoyed himself and we got to follow up and converse about it afterwards. Obviously not knowing that, you know, in the very near future, he'd end up passing away. But like I said, brought nothing but light and positive positivity to any situation. So I'm glad that uh, that was posted up and Dame acknowledged that. And we definitely had to acknowledge that here because Chef B knows he was my guy and I know I was his guy as well. But um, now sticking with Portland sports, it was a massive day yesterday um, because our major league soccer team, the Portland Timbers, they won the MLS's back tournament. Now, I'll be honest with you. I'm a believer in cultural karma. And when I think of the Timbers and I think of the Timbers Army and what it stands for, and I remember the fight that they put up against uh, the banning of the iron front flag at stadiums. Um, I've gotten to have a one-on-one interview with Jeremy Abobasi and have grown a decent relationship with him. And just knowing his dedication to social justice issues, obviously this team has stepped up in certain ways during today's social climate um, that we're in right now since the passing of George Floyd. Um, when I think about all of that, 
because I'm a believer in cultural karma, it makes sense to me as to why they won this MLS's back tournament. Now, I want to know from you as somebody who covers the Timbers a lot closer than I do, what are some of the reasons that you think that this Timbers team was deserving of being crowned champions last night? Man, I think first and foremost, and with the pandemic, we didn't have that opportunity to even be at practice or to see what what training has been like. Like, are they in shape? Like, we had no idea, man. So most of our stuff was coming from Coach Giovanni Savarese and yeah. him telling us, like, how seriously they've been taking this thing. And I'm not, I'm not just talking about the, the way that they were training, you know, and them being fit. It was all of the quarantine that, that was going on, wearing the masks, all of that stuff. And there was kind of that I told you so moment with Gio early on when they got into the Disney World bubble, when you started to see teams having to leave because they were getting wiped out by the virus. And they said, okay, you know, Dallas, you're out. Uh, I think it was Nashville, you're out. And so Gio was like, man, like so much of this was done when you, when they were in Portland, not when they got here. Right. Right. So that was the first sign where I was like, man, they're taking this tournament serious. Like this could be a run because before it started, everyone was saying, you know, LAFC or uh, there were other teams. Portland was not mentioned in the, in the list of teams that should win this tournament. So as they were going along, they continued to build momentum. They've got a lot of experience on this team too. And when you get into these tournament modes, that matters. Same way with the Blazers, as you get into these must-win type scenarios, I think experience is so undervalued at times or is kind of forgotten about because you just think about some of the stars and talent on the roster. So those were some of the, the things that I saw early on that made me think, okay, like this is realistic. They could make a decent run at this thing and they got they continued to get better week by week too and it was a lot of fun to watch it was exciting and as i've said to you selfishly man like it was more and more content and people were doing yeah. it as they <laughs> yeah. as they continue to go further and further in, more and more people become interested in the portland timbers that maybe aren't really interested in soccer but they're like man that's our local team they're representing i want to hear what happened did they win again and Sure enough, they go unbeaten through this entire tournament and they end up winning it all. That's absolutely incredible, man. And I'll tell you, man, Portland being Soccer City USA, I'm very proud that they were able to have this particular moment. I I think it was, what, 2015 when the Timbers last won it all, if I'm not mistaken. Um, And, you know, like I said, just being able to even meet some of the other guys on that team, because obviously, as I mentioned, Jeremy Abobasi and I have a decent relationship but shout out to Omar the Barber, who's actually my barber. He's the Timbers team barber as well. And so sometimes, and Omar cuts out of the house. Um, obviously with the Timbers, sometimes, you know, he cuts, you know, at the stadium. They, they, they designate a time for guys to get haircuts in the locker room, however it is that works out. But there's other times where I've been able to meet different guys on the Timbers because I might have a haircut appointment right after they do or right before they do. And so just kind of through casual conversation and just, you know, being in that particular place, all of us getting our haircut by the same guy. It's just really a genuine spirit that comes from a lot of those guys on that team. And like I said, man, 
Um, obviously, being MLS players, they're elite at what they do. But I truly, truly believe in cultural karma, man. And that's why even I think the NBA is doing so well right now because I believe kind of the the, the cultural element that the NBA has brought to this world, <laughs> essentially, has been so powerful, so influencing. And in a lot of ways, it's just been right. Like they've been doing the right thing. So now when we're in this moment where everybody wants to bring sports back and everybody's trying to figure out what to do, what not to do, if they're going to be able to complete a season, we're seeing a league like the NBA kind of be the catalyst and be at the forefront of what things should really look like. And to me, it's no surprise based on some of the influence that they've had in the past in other areas that that translates into this very moment in particular time that we're in right now. Um, so I, I'm it's glad. It's interesting how that works, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's a real thing, man. I, I think it's a real thing. And anybody that listens to this podcast knows that I truly believe that. Um, but let's get back to Orlando Sanchez because uh, we talked about that Emmy earlier. We acknowledged it. Um, but like I said, I wanted to dig a little bit deeper on that because I have no idea how that works. I don't know if it's you have to submit content to the Emmys or if the Emmys come out and seek you. Um, kind of give me a play-by-play on start to finish from when you first found out you were nominated or even before that, if there's something connected to the kind of timeline of you actually winning that Emmy Award. Just kind of break down how all that played out. Yeah, it's um, it, it's – Somewhat simple, but I think it's a it's a good question because you just see the trophy and you're like, oh, that's that's really cool. Yeah. Um, is that the trophy behind you, by this. the way? Yep. Yep. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let me see that thing, man. Let me let me get an up close and personal look at that thing here on the Zoom call. Yeah, I'm not lying, man. It's, it's got my name on it. Crazy, it does right? have your name on it. <laughs> <laughs> So that's sweet, man. That's sweet. So yeah, kind of give us the breakdown because like you said, even though it may be simple, a lot of us just don't know. We just know how big it is to win an Emmy award. So yeah, break it down. Yeah. So for a lot of us, uh, people that are in the news industry and reporters and, and whatnot, um, they have it broken into regions. So um, for us, we would be in the uh, uh, Northwest uh, region and our station really takes a lot of pride in, in in these and so every year our managers will be like hey the uh, emmys are coming up if you'd like to submit some work um here are the categories and there's probably like uh 60 categories or so and it's it's everything it's you know breaking news overall excellence um environment reporting weather uh you know uh breaking news 24-hour story photographers I mean, it's got, there's a list, a, right. a long list of, of different things that are on there. And so what you'll do is you'll put together kind of like a demo reel mm. of what you did for that year. And you'll say, what, what's your best stuff? Throw it down on there. And then you'll, you know, <clears throat> you'll send it to the committee, pay a fee, and then it gets sent out to other people that are in our field. So, uh, you know, it might get sent to somebody up in, you know, the in the, it might be New York or Chicago or Florida. It's pretty random and they'll put together kind of a panel and that panel will go through and judge these things. And it's based on like a, a point system. And so you have to get so many points and you could have a year where let's say like everybody submits stuff and it's just not that good. Yeah. It's like you could technically have a year where like nobody won for that category. 
Uh-huh. But if like you had two people that submitted at the same time that uh, ended up with like the same amount of points, you could have two winners for that category. Mm, okay. So it's it's really interesting. And so this is for the the Northwest that that we won, and this category was for sports anchor. And so what I did was I put together you. There, there's specific um, criteria that you have to meet within it. Um, I won't bore you with that, but it was basically like give us five examples of of the stuff that you did uh, from this. And so <clears throat> I was covering Dame the night he, he hit the shot. Yeah, over Paul George. Paul George. And we, and we had to go live yeah. right after that shot, man. Right. So, I mean, we're hyped, and it's just like, Here's what happened. You're witnessing, you know, one of the greatest Blazers performances of all time. Yeah. One of the, you know, just historic monumental moments here in Rip City. So, like, that was one. Uh, two I did uh, was the Oregon women's basketball team's run to the Final Four. We had the privilege of going to Tampa to cover them. Yeah. And it was kind of like the flip side where it was this heartbreaking, just tough loss. And you're talking to Sabrina Ionescu, who, you know, we're all wondering if she's coming back or not after winning National Player of the Year. Right. So you're basically putting together as many as you can. Then I, I, I had an element. Um, we do a, a high school football show, Friday Night Flights. And I did a, our first segment from that show. And that one was dope because um, as, as many of you guys know, or if you have kids or anybody that, that uh, is going to these high school games, You'll see us out there for like a quarter or two, and then we're on to the next game. Yeah. Like we're trying to hit as many games as we can, man. And so that night I had the game of the week. So my job was to stay at that one game. And it was um, it was Tiger and Mountainside uh, playoffs. Uh, I want to say it was the second round. But anyway, Tiger was a big favorite, uh, top seed. <clears throat> and it, can't, it goes to overtime. Dramatic game. I shoot it. But, like, it was so packed there that one of the parents saw me driving around just searching for a parking spot. And they were like, you can park in our driveway, man. Like park in our driveway so wow. you can get to the game to get yeah, our yeah. kids on TV. Yeah. And so like, not only did I submit what we did, but I also told a little bit of the story behind the backstory. These, right. Uh, these games. So it gives you a better idea of like what we went through to, to get that on the air, but also they see, how it looked, you know, they see the finished product, which when you're on deadline, you're stressed out, you don't know if it's going to make it or not. It's very hard to stay focused. And, you know, some, sometimes it turns out really good. And other times you're like, man, we'll, we'll get them next time. And you know, that time it worked out. So it was just a lot of different layers of uh, exact, it was different examples of me either in the field or anchoring. And um, yeah, it, it worked out. What was your reaction when you first won the award? Be honest with me. I want raw emotion, all that. Did you cry? Did you break down? Did you jump for joy? Were you shocked? What was it? <laughs> Honestly, man, I, I, I was truly stunned because every year, like the best part of this is when they, when they, they tell you, hey, you've been nominated. Um, we're going to throw, we throw this big party at, up in Seattle. They're invited, you and, you and a guest. And you go up there and it's kind of like prom for uh, people to get nominated. So you'll see people from the Seattle market. You'll see people from 
um, Boise, you'll see people from, you know, Eugene, you'll see people in Northern California as well, some of the smaller markets. Like if you get nominated, um, everybody meets in Seattle, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And it's a big party, they'll rent out an area. And so <clears throat> that is usually the thing that you look forward to. This year, they didn't have it obviously with the pandemic. So they did like a virtual thing, right? And I knew when it was, and I just kind of like, I was like, okay, I'll check it out as it gets closer. My wife and I actually went to like Fred Meyer to go get like groceries, man. Like we, it was just whatever, you know? And then yeah. we got back and I was like, man, the, the, the Emmys are on. I should, I should at least check it out, see who won and, you know, say congratulations to our, some of our, our colleagues and um, the people that work at KGW. And so I get on and it's probably like, normally the individual awards are at the end. Yeah. And this time they, they had them kind of spread out and they were all over the place. At least that was the way I saw it. And so I probably got like two awards in. And I'm like, oh, they're doing some of the individual stuff. I'm going to hang out and see what happens. Yeah. And when I saw my name pop up, I just kind of froze. Like, nah. Yeah. <laughs> and I looked at my wife and I was like, I just won. Wow. And so for somebody like, I mean, you and I talking right now, like we could talk all day about stuff. Yeah. And in that moment, I really had nothing to say. I was just like, wow, I, I can't believe this. Like man like all the all the all the stuff that went into that like you never think you're gonna win something like that right and so to have it happen it's just like it's stunning it really is so yeah i'd say i was pretty shocked and it's pretty cool man like i'm super grateful and it was also really dope to see uh we had we had a lot of winners from kgw this year more than i think we've ever had as a station so really it was it was cool because i got to share that moment um you know texting some of the some of my other colleagues and stuff and so that I, I wish we could have had that moment everybody celebrating together but at the same time man like it it, it was such a boost it was just such like a, a a positive moment in in you know in time when we're all stuck at home trying to figure things out and, and you know live our new lives right now and so like even behind me like I didn't even mention like this is my Anchor, this is like my studio, man. Like, yeah, I'm in, yeah, my, that's I'm where you in rock. the living room of my, of my apartment <laughs> right now. I got like bobbleheads and stuff. Like, I just needed a set. So, I've, I've been anchoring my sports casts and doing my reports and all my Zoom meetings here. And so, um, yeah, so it was just, it was a really cool, uplifting moment. That's real sweet, man. And, and such a crazy time. And, and as you mentioned, you know, going into this next question, that with the good must come the bad. And we're obviously in a time right now where um, we're in a pandemic. Um, and I remember back in last March, well, this past March, I should say, I actually came on Sports Sunday with you onto your show yeah, because Portland State had a hot end to the season, to the regular season. They were getting ready, excuse me, they were getting ready to go into the conference tournament. Um, and just, you know, March Madness was on its way. It was on the horizon. And so, you know, I went there and I joined you to talk about PSU and what they were doing. And, you know, that Sunday we're like, hey, man, if PSU ends up doing well this week, maybe I come back on the following Sunday. Um, yep. And then just three short days after they, after that, the entire season gets canceled. Um, and so obviously that in itself was a crazy moment. And you've had to adapt in a lot of ways. Obviously, you just – I'm looking at your set right now here on the Zoom call. But now you fast forward to yesterday where 
you now know that the college football season is at least going to get postponed until 2021, especially when it comes to uh, the Pac-12 and the, and the Power Five conferences. But all these announcements get made from each of these different conferences yesterday, the Power Five conferences at least. You had some of the smaller conferences already make their announcements. Um, so Oregon is a college football state, man. Like we really have one of the better college football cultures in this entire country, obviously leading the way is the Ducks who's become, you know, a national powerhouse um, throughout the last 15 to 20 years or so. Um, Definitely one of the more recognizable football schools, a lot in part having to do with their connection with Phil Knight and Nike. Um, No college football this year. Do you think these last, what, five months or so that you've had to adapt in such an insane way has actually prepared you for this moment that we are now where college football we know won't be happening in 2020? Yeah, that's that's a really good point and, and question because it really has been a slow brew. It's been one that we've had a chance to think about for quite some time. Um, I'd be remiss too. I'm glad that you brought that up, man, because you were – my last guest on Sports Sunday before this all went down. Yeah. And so I really, I really was in that zone. Like, we're gonna have Devon come back on to talk PSU when they make this run. You know, yeah. like I was already planning for the tournament. You know, I I was looking ahead at the Oregon women's basketball team. Like, they're gonna be in New Orleans for the final four. How are we gonna get there? The Oregon men's basketball team. They've got something in there with Peyton Pritchard where they could realistically make another run to the Sweet 16. Yeah. Oregon State men's basketball had just knocked off Utah on a buzzer beater in the Pac-12 tournament, and we thought, well, you know what? They do have the players. They give Oregon fits. So, like, what I'm saying is we were going down the line of, like, all of these things that were going to happen in March. Yeah. And life came in and said, no, like – you don't dictate what's going to happen. And clearly having something like this threw our world upside down. And we were all wondering, like, how the hell are we going to get through this? Like, what are we going to do? I think a lot of us have all gone through that mentally where we're just trying to figure out what's important to us, what we value. And then we're like, okay, at some point it hits you where you're like, things are not going to change anytime soon. So either you're going to figure it out or you're going to have to find something else to do because this ain't for you. And so that's kind of where the point we got. And so going back to college football now, once we saw that there was no March Madness and when the NBA, first when the NBA shut it down, but then when March Madness happened, we're like, football's next. Yeah. Yeah, you guys have, you have time. But really what you should be preparing for is the possibility of not being able to play again. And I know for us, for me, myself covering this stuff where we're so used to going to games or going to practice or getting interviews, like as you go on and on you start to see your memory on your computer fill up because you're doing nothing but Zoom interviews. Yeah. It dawns on you that like this, it's going to be a while. Yeah. And so for for me, this wasn't a, a surprise at all, man. Like, It was more of like, when are they going to do this? How long are they going to push this thing out before they finally say, we can't do it? There are too many unknowns. We don't have answers to many of the questions that the kids, the parents, that even our administration are going to ask. Like, we just don't know. Because 
we're still all trying to figure out this coronavirus. So yeah, it's been one of those things that has definitely prepared us for that moment where as if this happened maybe in March and they announced that we'd be going crazy. Yeah. Whereas yeah. we knew the announcement was coming yesterday and it was kind of like, okay, how do we want to handle this? We're going to report on it at four, at five, at six, 11 o'clock. Like we, we all had an idea of how this works now. Yeah. And so a long way around, a roundabout way of answering your question, man, is the answer is absolutely. It, it's definitely prepared us for this. Man, that's real good to hear. I mean, it's not good to hear because obviously we want to see college football, but there's some comfort yeah. in knowing that you're actually prepared for this moment in a way that we were not prepared for what took place in March. Neither yourself, neither myself. I mean, I had a whole lot of plans for the spring, the summer, and things just took a major shift in a way that nobody in this industry has ever seen. And usually, like I said before, what goes around comes around. And although things change and transition over time, this is something that nobody in this industry, nobody in this country has ever seen. So, you know, it's real interesting to see it's where wild, we are right? now. It's really wild. It's really wild. It's really wild. And, and yeah. with that, I, I want to follow up sticking to this college football thing and these decisions being made because a lot of this has gotten – politicized in a real way, um, going all the way to the extent of, obviously, um, I like to call him the celebrity in chief. Shout out to Charlamagne the God for giving me that one. Donald Trump, um, <laughs> he publicly tweeted out, play college football. Um, where do you stand on some of the things that you're hearing from sort of these politicians or just how this entire thing has been politicized generally um, when it comes to folks wanting to or not wanting to see or anywhere in between uh, college football happen in 2020. This isn't like breaking news and or anything stunning, but I hate it, man. I really do. Um, and maybe part of me was just so naive to it and I would kind of let a lot of stuff go, but it's just shocking how, how much everything has turned has been politicized. Like there's just so much to it where I'm like, if, you know, if, if it's science or it's facts or it's, you know, just doing simple research and it turns into a, well, the, the people that I support say this, so I've got to go this way or the people that I support, like there are so many of these things that I didn't feel were political issues where I thought they yeah. were just, okay, it's safety, it's health, it's, you know, the, the betterment of, of our living, you know? And so it's really been a trip to, to see that. And in a lot of ways, it's sad and upsetting, but I guess the more that you start to be around it and you, you, you see it as someone who lives on Twitter and social media, I guess it, it's what comes with the territory, man. But to see everything kind of just get muddied together I hate it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. Um, now let's transition all the way away from sports because um, I want to know what the flavor is in your ear right now, man. I told you when I reached out to you, I wonder what Orlando is listening to right now during these times, um, what's some of the music that, that he's interested in and that's keeping him going during these times because obviously music plays such an important role in our society. Plus, I just like your swag in all other areas and we'll get – to the sneaker portion of your lifestyle as well here really soon. But before we get there, I want to know what the flavor in your ear is, man. What you've been listening to? What's some slaps out there that you're really enjoying during this moment in time? 
when you said that we were going to talk music, uh, I thought that was so dope, man. <laughs> I, I love that. Um, and I was really looking forward to going out to seeing you, uh, DJ, man. Uh, what's the, what's the name of the spot where you Export. were at? I love, dude, that spot is so nice. Man, it's the dopest it's a- spot. It's the dopest spot. I, I, to me, it's the best venue in Portland. Like, hands down, bar none. There's no place. Like, if you want to, obviously, Portland is, is a major city. And, you know, whenever anybody goes to a big city, especially when you're hosting them and you live in that big city, you know, you want to take them to all the dopest places and you want to show them the best parts of the city. Well, if you want to go and have a drink and go to a bar that's exquisite and that just is aesthetically pleasing and it has a rooftop and just this and that and the rest specialty cocktails all that export is the place man so trust me man i i'm still hurting behind the fact that uh, for (laughs) one my pockets are hurting that i'm not there and for two the fun i was having up in there my goodness do i miss that place (laughs) i will say selfishly man like my wife and i we'd stop by there and like you said like if we had somebody coming into town um, that was one of the spots where we'd like to take them because the view is great. Yeah. Um, the, the outdoor seating area is, is dope too. If you get there early enough, you could get a spot, but, um, their old fashions are on point straight yeah. up. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, when I saw that you were playing, I was like, Oh, it's even more incentive for us to, to come through. Yeah. Um, so hopefully, you know, things get back to normal a little bit more and we see, see more of that happening, uh, in, in downtown Portland. But, Man, in, in, in terms of music, man, like like you said it, like I feel like anytime I got like a down day or something, like just getting ready, like throwing on uh, hip hop, man, has just been like a life source for me. Yeah, um, yeah. I always joke with people, man, because like even when even when I was in in college, like the college dropout like got me through college. Yeah, you know, like I was playing, I was listening to that thing. I had my like CD player, my Walkman. I, I don't know if anybody really knows what that is. <laughs> yeah. But dude, like I had it with the anti-skip, like walking around campus, like I that thing out. And so like, I still love, love uh, me some Kanye right now. Um, so I listen to a lot of Kanye West, but um, man, growing up, dude, like I think being, I, I'm from New Mexico, grew up, born, born and raised there. And so everything is, is more West coast. Yeah. So like, Tupac has always been at the at the top of the list for me in terms of stuff that's going to get me hype. Um, you know, I was listening to a lot of Ice Cube. I mean, even in your neck of the woods, man, like one of my best buddies was was all about Too Short. Man. So I yeah. had Too Short, the Too Short tapes going back to elementary school when I wasn't even supposed to be listening to that stuff. Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but it's fun because like different phases, you have like different artists and different music for different phases of your life as you go through things and you have me thinking like what's been like the the quarantine phase for me you know right and like I started to start to think about that and like at first when I was kind of in denial it was still like we're gonna get back into this like like let's let's listen to some some Drake it was still like poppy like we're gonna go out and party and all this stuff Right, and then I started to get a little more mad. So it started going to like Kendrick. It started going to like Kendrick Lamar. Yeah, and then I started to go back in, into like some of the older hip hop from like uh, from the '90s and stuff, man. But um, as I've gotten older too, is it's been a lot more R and B. It's yeah. been a lot more. 
R&B. Hey, man, R&B is back in a real way, man. We definitely got to share some R&B because I'm super into kind of this new wave of R&B and sort of kind of this new wave of of another era of Neo Soul in a way. And yes. it's interesting because at Export, funny story, at Export, you know, I'll try, it was about eight months that I really kind of tried to get that DJ gig there. And so, I mean, I had to the point where obviously it's at a five-star, it's on the rooftop of a five-star hotel. Um, you know, they, they, they try to keep things pretty tight around there. And so um, when they finally started truly engaging in me actually being able to get the gig up there, um, they made me submit a playlist. But there's a twist. It could only be house music. I'm not oh. a house music kind of guy. So, oh, so, so, but, but, but check this out though. But check this out though. So it could only be house music. Now, me, somebody, you know, I, I can finesse when I need to finesse. Me, okay. I reach out to some of my college friends that I know like to rave and listen to house music and all of that. And I was able to have them help me put a playlist together to submit to export. Export approves the playlist. Now, the entire eight months that I had been really trying to, you know, advocate and push for me to be able to get that gig at Export, I'd already been mentally and on Spotify create, been creating a playlist for what I felt would match that vibe on that rooftop, just based on, like I said, the aesthetics of it, the people that I saw in there, um, just all of the above. And so I submitted this playlist. It gets approved. And I'll be honest with you, my first time going in there, I played absolutely nothing off, the, off of that playlist. That <laughs> <laughs> I submitted. Did you, but, did you get a call from the manager? Man, I became a fan favorite in there because a lot of people yes. was going there and the aesthetic just didn't match house music. And so a lot right. of people are going in there and like, this place is entirely too dope for you to have a DJ in here playing house music. We mm -hmm. need more vibey type music. It's yes. a lounge, it's a rooftop. You're chilling. You're chilling, you know what I mean? But at the same time, you can get groovy a little bit. And so I kind of took a risk. Well, I definitely took a risk because it was a gig that I had been wanting for so long, but I'd been wanting it for so long, I had already imagined in my head and with my playlist what I was gonna play in there. And then I got a curveball thrown at me and had to create a house playlist and I made it happen just so I can get in the door. Sometimes that's what it's all about. Get that foot in the door. And then once I got in there, honestly, I just bet on myself. And I became truly like the favorite DJ for the, when it came to the staff, when it came to the customers and everything. I had a few events lined up there this summer. I had a Derby Day event that I brought to the table and, and they approved it. And we were going to have a Derby Day had Kentucky Derby taking place this year in early May. Like, it was going to be a great summer at Export, and then the pandemic Ooh. shut it all down. <laughs> man, dude, well, I got to get that. I got to get that playlist from you, man. You, you got to send some my way. I'll, I'll uh, send it. I'll yeah. send it because I, I, I got a playlist, and I, I'm not going to say it on here, but I really don't care. I got a playlist called Export Vibes on Spotify, and I still update it because I miss the play so much, and I, look, I love the music that I was playing in there that it's kind of nostalgic for me to still 
you know, and that that created a habit for me to create more playlists and really start kind of play playlist of music that I liked and that I enjoyed for whatever reason I liked it or enjoyed it. And so I started really kind of categorizing music and it's helped me a lot when it comes to being able to keep new and fresh material when I'm DJing. So I'll definitely send you over the link to that playlist because there's some vibes on there, man. It's some vibes. It's some vibes. (laughs) I think there's like the perfect, perfect idea, like you said, because the the atmosphere in there is that like yeah. it's a spot that you want to go to chill but also have a vibe and so when you're having a couple of drinks like oh you know what i feel like listening to the weekend or yeah. hey, i feel like listening i feel like listening to common yeah like, those were like the type of vibes that i was getting and so hearing you say that i'm like yes i'm, I'm glad i'm glad <laughs> that they listened to you on that because that's exactly the the mood when yeah. you go in there Absolutely, absolutely. Last question before I get you out of here, man. What's the key to having the best sneaker game uh, in, in, or, in Oregon sports media? What's the key? Give it to us. Or can you give it to us? Is it is, If you tell me, will you have to kill me because I don't want to die? <laughs> no, nah, man. Hey, if, if, you, if you know anybody out there, I need an official plug, man, because that's hurting the pocketbook. Yeah. I need somebody at Nike, Adidas, you know. Uh, but, man, no, I just – I've always loved loved sneakers, and you know, growing up, I didn't always have the money to to get nice sneakers. I had to beg my my parents to, you know, not be shopping at Payless, you know. And so, as I got older, got a little more money, I was able to buy those shoes that I could never get before. Yeah. And I'm not gonna lie, coming moving to Portland, where you're kind of at one of the sneaker capitals of the world, yeah. like everybody has on dope kicks. So it like inspires you even more. I haven't gone down like the rabbit hole of like custom stuff yet, but I've seen a lot of really dope custom kicks out there, man. But no, I just, I really like sneakers and you know, I, I really love Jordans and had have had the chance to, to get some. And I haven't, I haven't gone into, you know, beyond like $300 price point i i just i'm trying to like just get retail stuff and if i if i hit if i get like a a hype shoe i get it on retail if i don't i just take the l and move on but like now with with the way sneaker culture is right now with everybody being at home like really you can only buy them online so trying to get sneakers retail with everybody having bots and, and whatnot to to buy up all the sneakers it's really hard to get uh, new kicks without paying resale prices. Yeah. Um, but it's cool, man. I mean, even going, even going to like the local consignment shops here has been really fun and cool. And I love that they have those because it one takes you down memory lane with some of the older shoes yeah. or even gear like jerseys and stuff that you right. used to rock in the early two thousands and, and, you know, late nineties. So it's been really cool to see all that stuff And Portland has really embraced all of that. And I love that about this city. Like everybody talks about, the uh, the food scene and the drink scene, which is super dope, and it's like top notch. Don't get don't get it twisted. But also, there's the sneaker scene and the clothes scene, and um, just that vintage style as well, um, which I love. Like shout out to uh, Cultural Blends, they're really dope. And then um, there there's just so many spots here around town that that I'll you know pop in and see what's going on and see what they've got. Yeah, like man. Yeah, man. Unfortunately, I've never been a sneakerhead. Um, I wear Good, a size man. 14 shoe. So that the, the main part, exactly. I can't Ooh. go to no consignment, nothing and go nowhere to buy nothing. I, I do get into Adidas and Nike sometimes. So I'll try to get you a, a plug on that where I can. Um, hey. but, but, but like, 
I, I've never been a sneakerhead. For one, I was always rough on my shoes as a kid, too. Like, I played ball. I only wanted to play ball. I played football. I played baseball. I played basketball. Anything that had a ball, I was down to play it, even if I wasn't good at it. Um, those main three, though, I could get down in. Like I said, baseball, football, basketball, I could get down. Um, yep. But but like I said, man, I was so hard on my shoes when I was younger. And then as I've gotten older, I can't really buy shoes that I want or that I like at the mall or at a consignment shop or even sometimes at an ES, at the employee store, whether it be Adidas or Nike. Fortunately, I do get a little bit of a better selection when I am at an employee store rather than a mall or a consignment shop. But still, it might be a pair of sneakers that I really, really like in the ES that they don't got it in a size 14. So I just never been a sneakerhead for that reason, man. So I'm always interested in hearing other sneakerheads and their stories. And I, I, I'll just live my uh, my sneakerhead fantasy through you because it's a real thing for you, man. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've been trying to live to others as well, man. And it just, I get the itch sometimes, man. So, and like my wife, she's, she, she limits. Like, I, I've, we live in a small apartment in Portland. And um, so I have to be selective, man. I can't, I can't just cop every release or else right. I'm in trouble. Yeah, I'm in trouble no more room so, in the house, huh? <laughs> no, man, no. My wife ain't letting that fly, man. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Orlando, man, thank you so, so much for joining me here on the Wake Up and Win podcast, man. It, it was truly a treat and truly a pleasure to have you on here. And uh, I'm glad you accepted the offer that was extended out to you because you certainly didn't have to. And, and I'm just very grateful that you joined us on here, man. Hey, I, I appreciate you. Always a good dude. I enjoy chopping it up with you. This was a no-brainer to come on. Uh, hopefully we get to do it again. And, you know, once we get back to normal and we're doing sports again full time, would love to have you come back on Sports Sunday and, and chop it up with me again. You do a great job. Keep up the good work, man. I'm constantly listening, watching, and reading what you do. Sky's the limit, man. My man, I truly appreciate it. With that said, we are going to leave this the only way that we know how, and that is to stay woke and go win. <laughs>